Good morning. Good morning, church. Wow. Really? Okay. Good morning. You know, we read in uh, the book of Nehemiah that on the 25th day of the month of Elu, Nehemiah finished rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the place where the Israelite people went to worship. And this is what we also read in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5. It says that Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Would you guys please stand for me at this moment? Verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I opened up this sermon with these verses because just like Nehemiah through the prophet Ezra opened up their Bible back then for the first time, we are opening up our Bible for the first time here at San Isidro campus. This is the first time here, but it will never be the last time. Every single time that you guys step into this building, you will hear these words, open up your Bibles. Every single Sunday that you come here to this building, we will only preach from his word, the Bible. This is the truth. So everything we do here is for his glory not ours. You guys may be seated. We also, by the way, read in the story of Nehemiah that Nehemiah finished the completion of the wall in 52 weeks. Unlike Nehemiah, we didn't finish the construction of this building in 52 weeks. <laughs> As I was looking back, and, and if I go back to the very, very beginning, which when we started a campaign, just to to fund the property, 6.3 acres, which is completely paid for. It, it was 16 years ago, yeah, 16 years ago. But for this building itself, as I look back, it's been three long years. A lot of headaches, a lot of restlessness, a lot of anxiety, but here we are, and boy, is it worth it. We're not finished yet. There's still a lot of things, a lot of kinks that need to be worked through. And as you walk around the building, you might say, yeah, I can see stuff that is not done yet. But some of the stuff that you see that is quote unquote undone, it is gonna be left undone. See, I wanna remind us that it's not about the building. It is about the people in the building that go out into the city. It is about us, the church. And what we want is for this building to reflect us, unfinished. We are not finished yet. I hope we're not. God is working through us. We are called in God's word to become more and more in Christ's image. So like the building, we are unfinished. But not only that, I want this building to represent sort of our DNA, authentic, real, open. Grace Bible Church needs to be, and it is, a real grace family. Being real with each other. Saying to yourself and saying to others, I'm not okay, but it's okay. We are a work in progress. And again, 
I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I want to remind us what our mission here at Grace Bible Church is. And here it is, and I want you to read it out loud with me. Our mission at Grace Bible Church is to... to lead our city into a life-changing relationship with the only one that changes lives through his church. To lead. What does that look like practically? Invite. You guys did a great job in doing that this morning. Invite, 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 evangelize. Tell people to come, and it's not that difficult. All you need to do is say, come and see. We have a seat for you. It might be a plastic seat, but we have a seat for you. Now listen, we can open up more services. That's not an issue. We will do what we have to do to proclaim God's truth in our city, to lead our people in our community to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ to come and hear the good news, the gospel, because that is why we're here. That is our mission. Our vision is to plant a campus in every single zip code in Laredo. Hillside has a campus, Somos Grace. I see some of you peeps out here from Somos Grace. Shout out, shout out to them peeps. But that is our mission and this building represents a further step to furthering his kingdom to lead our city now when i say that word lead what comes to mind let me re-ask that question when you think of a good leader what qualities come to your mind who do you believe a person should be that you are worthy of following i asked google the top five qualities of a good leader. And here's what I found out. At number one, a good leader must have emotional intelligence. A good leader must have emotional intelligence. And if you're like me and don't have a single idea what that means, Google it. No. I Googled it, and here's what it means. It means this, that a good leader should be able to bring out the best in all people. I agree with that. At number two, a good leader should be adaptable. Amen. A good leader should have empathy, patience, and confidence. Would you agree with that list? Yeah, I believe that every good leader needs to show these qualities, but there is one quality that every great godly leader should have. One very important quality that if you consider yourself a godly leader, you must have. See, these qualities are great. You can follow a leader that has emotional intelligence, empathy, patience, confidence. Yeah, they're all great. But are they worth following? Because if you don't have this one quality that stands above all the qualities, you're not really being a great godly leader. And let me say this. If you're leading and there ain't no one following, you ain't a leader. Today we continue our series that we've entitled Renew. And for this whole month of January, we're going to be looking at what it looks like to be transformed, to be renewed. Let me tell you what Paul says about this topic. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The key to transformation is the renewal of our mind daily. 
transforming ourselves. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at what that looks like when we make decisions. What does it look like to renew our minds the way we make decisions? And I asked you to ask yourself three questions, three questions that I got from Andy Stanley's book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And here are the questions that we asked last week. The first question is this, is it the wise thing to do? Don't ask yourself if it's the right thing or the wrong thing. Is it the wise thing to do? And then further ask yourself this. Based on my past circumstances, based on my future situation, and based on my future hopes and dreams, I'm sorry, my current situation and my future hopes and dreams, is it the wise thing to do? And then move on it. The second question we need to ask ourselves, is there a hesitation that needs and deserves my attention? If you feel something is not right, don't move on it. See, the world says, go for it. Buy the bigger house, get into debt. But God's word says, slow down. Hear from me. Pray about it. Ask around. If there's any hesitation, pay attention. Slow down. And lastly, and to me, this is the most important question. What story are you writing? See, church, every decision we make, whether it be a good one or a bad one, has circumstances. What legacy are you leaving behind? Because when you make a decision as a leader at your home, in your businesses, at school, wherever you may be, every decision you and I make has circumstances. What do your story, what do your stories, what is it going to look like? What are your kids going to talk about when they talk to their kids on how you were as their parents? And today, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at what it looks like to renew our way of thinking, renew our minds in the way we lead. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to the Gospel of Mark. Please, please, please bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we do have some Bibles in the entrance. The ushers can hand one to you, but bring your Bible. We're always going to open up our Bibles and read from it through it. It gives you an opportunity to underline, circle, write notes on the side. Mark chapter 10, but before we jump into the verses, I want to give us some context. Really important. You got to have context before you interpret the verse, the context of this verse. So we find out that Jesus is leading a bunch of people, and this rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, okay, well, what does the Bible say? And so he responds, well, I've done it all. Hmm, Jesus goes, okay. But there's one thing you have not done, and you need to do this. Sell all your possessions. You guys heard the story, right? Sell all your possessions, then then follow me. And the rich young ruler says, "Mm, I can't do that. So he walks away. And so then the apostles start asking the same question. Wow, this guy seemed to follow your law perfectly, teacher. So what does one have to do to be saved? And here's how Jesus responds in verse 27, chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark. He says this, with man it. What was the context? 
salvation. With man, salvation is impossible. With man, ain't going to happen. But not with God, he says. For all things are possible with God. So the apostles are like, oh, whoa, 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 okay, okay. So Peter says, wait a second, Jesus. I, I think I get it. But unlike that rich young ruler that left because he didn't want to leave his possessions, look at us, Jesus, your faithful followers. We've left all, all our possessions behind. We have left everything behind. That's got to mean something, man. Telling you, we deserve some sort of ranking in your kingdom, right? We need to be up there because we've done it all. But then Jesus says this, verse 31. He says, but many, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And the apostles are saying, what? What Jesus is telling them, what Jesus is telling you, what Jesus is telling me is this, that in his kingdom, things are different. Earthly standards when it comes to ranking and leadership are different than heavenly standards. And we all know what the world tells us to do when it comes to leadership, right? Go to the top of the corporate ladder. Be first. Be as most popular. Be the biggest boss, the richest boss you can be. We all have heard the quote from Ricky Bobby, haven't we? If you ain't first, you're last. And Jesus says, no. He's a fool. Don't listen to him. In God's kingdom, first means becoming least. Look what he says in Luke chapter 9, verse 48. Jesus says this, For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. And the disciples are saying, wow, I still don't get it. How can you be first by being least? How can you be great by being last? No, I, I don't get it. So Jesus says, come on, let's keep walking towards Jerusalem. We're going to celebrate Passover. Verse 33. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking about himself, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn me to death and deliver me over to the Gentiles. But not only that, Jesus says, they will mock me, spit on me, fog me, and kill me. But after three days, I will rise again. Don't miss what happens next. Sometimes we read through the Bible so fast. Verse 35, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do this one thing that we ask. We need you to do this for us, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit on your right hand and one on your left hand in your glory. Did you catch that? John and James, go up to Jesus. Yeah, 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 we heard you. Yeah, 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 you're going to be arrested. And, and what, did you say spit? Yeah, you're going to be spat on. You're going to be crucified. And you will rise again. But I like that because when you rise again, you're going to have your kingdom. So in your kingdom, can we be numero dos y numero tres? We want to be up there in the ranking. We want to have the authority. And then Jesus says, you guys don't know what you're asking for. You guys won't be able to handle what you're asking for. So he pulls them up to the side. And the other ten are wondering, whoa, 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 what's going on? They hear this conversation, verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They began to be angry. Now catch this, they weren't angry like saying, really guys, 
you're asking Jesus to have ranking in your kingdom, didn't you just hear what he told us? Being crucified and all that stuff, doesn't that matter? That's not why they were angry. They were angry because they were thinking to themselves, what about me? I've given up everything. I too want to be numero dos y numero tres. I want to be up there in your ranking, Jesus. That's why they were angry. They wanted to be to the top of the top of the ladder. At this point, this is not biblical, but I'm thinking this. Jesus is saying, why did I choose you guys? Bola de cabezones. I can relate. So then he tells him this, verse 42. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, right? You know this. And their great ones exercise authority over them, right? You know how the world leads, right? From the top to the bottom, and they have all this authority over people. And the, and the apostles saying, yeah, yeah, they're, they're ranking. We know how they lead. That's what we want. And then Jesus says this, very powerful Eight words. Verse 43, he says, but it shall not be so among you. Jesus is telling them. Jesus is telling you. Jesus is telling me, you're different. That's not the way you are called to lead. You need to renew your mind. That is not the way it's going to be among you 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 will not use your power and influence for your power and your influence it'll be for my glory is what jesus is saying verse 43 he goes on and says this but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all jesus saying it's okay to be great it's okay to strive to be a good leader but if you want to be a great godly leader in my kingdom you must be least, and you must be a servant. I know at this point, the apostles are saying, what are you talking about? It makes no sense. And Jesus is saying, again, to be great, you must be at the end of the line, not at the first of the line. Don't listen to Ricky Bobby is what Jesus is saying. If you are last in my kingdom, you are first this point i think the apostles are like deer in a headlight mouths open and then jesus says this next verse if you have your bibles with you underline this verse highlight it no no memorize it verse 45 of the gospel of mark chapter 10 for even the son of man came not to be served but to say it with me but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is saying, look, if anybody deserves to be served, it's me. I am the king of kings. I am the creator of all things. But no, even I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life to many. Not only did the apostles not get what it meant to be a great godly leader. I believe at this point, they didn't understand fully what Jesus meant when he said, I came to give my life for many as a ransom. They didn't get it, understand it 100%. I hope you do. And maybe you're sitting here today 
not understanding what this means, that Jesus came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let me tell you what he means. Again, do you recall how we started our narrative this morning? This rich young ruler asked Jesus this question, how can one be saved? Jesus said, with man, not possible. Not possible. With man, you can never be good enough. With man, you can follow the law as much as you want. It ain't going to happen. But with God, with God, it's possible. What does Jesus mean? The gospel. See, when we trust in Jesus Christ, not only know in our heads, but believe in our hearts that he lived a perfect life and he hung on the cross. We're going to get a cross soon. When he hung on the cross, and he rose again on the third day when we trust in that in our hearts and we believe that that was sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins, we've been ransomed. Ransomed from what? Our sin debt. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace, through faith, you have been saved. That's why we're here. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And I pray that the Holy Spirit moves in you so you can understand what the apostles didn't understand clearly, that it's only possible through God. Salvation is. Through this whole thing, the apostles not, that they not only get it, I think they were really confused until the next day. I think the very next day, they got it. They got exactly what Jesus meant when he said, to be a great godly leader, you must be different. They're in Jerusalem at this point. They're celebrating Passover. Turn with me your Bibles to John chapter 13, verse 3. That's where we're going to pick up the story. And here's what we read. Jesus. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Jesus knowing his position with the Father. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, it says, he tied it around his waist. At this point, the apostles, as they're in the upper room, they're probably looking at each other thinking, Wait a second. There wasn't a servant at the door, a servant that washes our feet. See, back in those days, it was a custom that there always was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant that would wash people's feet as they walked into any room. And the apostles are thinking, oh, man, don't tell me. Please, please don't tell me that Jesus is going to wash our feet. Now, back then, the roads were disgusting, filthy. They didn't ride cars. There wasn't oil dripping. There was other droppings on the road. And people would step on it with their sandals. So can you imagine the humility, the servanthood that takes to wash people's feet? But the Messiah, the creator of all things, was about to wash the apostles' feet. We then read in verse 5, And Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. 
At this point, the apostle is saying, oh, man, he's doing it. Church, I can guarantee you that they felt awkward. And Peter stands up and says, no way, Jesus, not me. Verse 8, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands. And don't stop there. Do my head. And Jesus continues to wash the apostles' feet, foot by foot. And I can only imagine the way they felt. I can guarantee you there wasn't a dry eye in that upper room that evening. I can guarantee you that you can hear a pin drop. And all you heard was a dropping of the water as Jesus in humility washed his followers, his apostles' feet. Then he gets up and he says this, verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, don't miss this, guys, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Do you get it now? I am leading by example. Again, church, I believe Jesus was showing and telling his apostles. I truly believe Jesus is showing and telling you and me this. When you feel you're the boss, when you feel you're the head of the household, when you feel you're at the top of the corporate ladder, look at me, look at my business, it's a good reminder of humility to say, nah, go, go wash feet the way I have washed. That's leadership, putting each other's needs before ours. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in what? Read this out loud. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Imagine if we only did this. Not easy to do, but so necessary. Imagine if we would just count others more significant than ourselves. Imagine what would happen in your homes. Imagine what would happen in your community. Your life would be transformed. There will be a change that everybody will notice. Thousands of years ago, 12 men listened and acted upon Jesus' command to wash each other's feet. And it was a great revival that occurred, a revival that we're still feeling. Why? Because they follow the greatest godly leader ever, Jesus Christ. So here is that one quality that separates all the other qualities behind, that one quality that makes a great godly leader. That one quality that I hope you and I have, here it is, to serve and not 
be served. That's it. We ought to serve one another and not be expected to be served. Broken record. Our mission here at Grace Bible Church will always be to lead our city into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. To lead our city into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. To bring others to lead the way Jesus has told you and me to lead by example in humility. That's what a good godly leader does. Before you leave here today, I want you to ask yourself one question. One question that I believe that every great godly leader needs, hear me, needs to ask. Here's a question. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Tomorrow when you go to work, ask your coworkers, I'm here. How can I serve you? Don't think the mentality, that's not my job. I'm not going to clean the bathrooms. How can I serve? If you're a boss, if you're a supervisor, humble yourself. Work your way from the bottom to the top, not from the top to the bottom. How can I serve you, church? That's what I try to model. Trust me. That's what every leader here at Grace Bible Church needs to model. We're here to serve. There's no ranking at Grace Bible Church. We all are serving. The only one that deserves ranking is Jesus Christ. Kids, when you go home today, ask your parents, Mom, Dad, how can I serve you? Listen, if you're married, men, husbands, if you consider yourself a godly man, ask your wife. Humble yourselves. And ask her, how can I serve you? Wives, ask your husbands, how can I serve you? Over 2,000 years ago, a great revival started. This year, 2023, I, I want it to be a year of revival that begins in this building and goes outside into our community. That everybody can see the love of Jesus Christ in us. That we truly are servants that would lead our community into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. 2023, new building, revival is about to come. Will you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We praise you. I will never truly understand not even in eternity, I think, what you did for us. How you deserved, you, you could have, you, you deserved this. You could have just stayed behind and been God from above and called all of us just to do whatever you command us to do. But Father, you led by example. You stepped out of heaven into this horrible, sinful life. And still, I don't think I'll ever truly see how and why. But you died for us. So we're people that are so undeserving, but yet, because of your grace, because of your mercy, because of your love, you do call us to obey you, 
but not out of obligation. So let us be a church that does obey you, serves you out of love. Let your church, Grace Bible Church, represent that in your city, Laredo, Texas. It's a revival that only you can bring begins with us. We love you, Father. We praise you, and we say all these things in your son's name. Amen. You guys are amazing. I love you guys. God bless you.